Yeah, that stimulus check might go to an ocarina. You never know. <laughs> there we go. Well, hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. <laughs> and this is Nate Baranowski. Sorry. <laughs> Listeners, here's what you need to do. Eat canned bread. No, stop. <laughs> okay. Listen, we all know you're stuck at home. You're wondering what to do. You've been snacking on things. You might be tempted to turn to the B&M brown bread in a can. I know it's tempting. Listen to me. You cannot do it. What you should do instead is go to patreon.com slash movies on the side, support the show, and then you will get access to the bonus episode we just recorded. <laughs> Nate, the bookends of this Patreon episode that we just recorded are probably some of the most wild. <laughs> they're, they're different, but somehow tied together. We started by presenting our own designed wedding dresses using a an old janky website that Nate found, and we ended the episode discussing <laughs> the history of canned bread from B&M. Now, you may have seen this canned bread because when everyone bought all the canned items at your grocery store, right. this is the can that remained on the shelves. Now, Nate suggested that we eat this together in person for the first time. Now, here's my question to you, Nate. Someday. <laughs> the, the pictures that we have been looking at are the original brown bread in a can. The kind that I got for my neighbor has raisins in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I want the raisins. I want the raisins. Oh! Absolutely, I want the raisins in it. It's turning my, it's turning my stomach. Okay. I do not want baked beans on top of it. No, 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 no. I think we, this is spilling over from Patreon. This is spilling over Patreon, this, but this is why you need to go over there, listen to the, uh, the 30 minute episode of Patreon ending with brown bread. It's great stuff. Patreon.com slash movies on the side. Absolutely. The appropriate tie in was going to be that we did wedding themed things there and we are doing wedding themed things here, but somehow. Just like a guest that you did not invite to your wedding showing up and crashing the party, brown bread in a can showed up in our wedding-themed <laughs> Patreon and stole the show in the last five minutes. Nate, before we get into this movie, have you ever crashed a wedding? Uh, Sure. For real? Yeah. I mean, I've crashed the dance floor of a wedding reception. <laughs> okay. How does that sound? Like you didn't know any of the people there. Yeah, like I was at a hotel... There was a wedding reception going on. What? Uh, myself and a couple other artists went into that wedding wedding reception, talked to a few people, and then got out on the dance floor. Wow. Nate, I did not know that about you. That's impressive. Let me tell you something. Not only were did we go out on the dance floor, it was one of those dances where people made like a tunnel with their bodies or a, <laughs> a, a row, and you dance down it. And you go thing. through, and all the wedding guests are like, who are these people? Yes. We did that. Wow, Nate. From what you know of me and how I feel about people, crowds, and parties, do you think I've ever crashed a wedding? Uh, no. Yeah, no. How I many weddings have you been to, Stephen? I've been to a handful, maybe about four or five. You, you've probably been in the dozens, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stephen, do you like weddings? Do you like going to weddings? Did you like having a wedding? <laughs> well, the last question <laughs> seems loaded. I enjoyed our wedding. And especially our reception, because it was literally a week after we graduated college. We walked in our commencement one Saturday, and seven days later, the very next Saturday... There was a we wedding dress through. underneath the... the <laughs> Under the gown. The robe. <laughs> but we got married a week later because all of our great college friends came, and the jazz band that we had played in for four years performed at our reception. 
it was just a great time just having them all. The jazz band was playing. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed our wedding for sure. We had an amazing cake, great food. It was, it was wonderful. As a whole, I mean, I typically have a roller coaster of emotions uh, at weddings, but when it comes to the reception, I'm always very uneasy because I know there will be a point where I'm pressured to go on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Like someone is going to either say, come on and dance, or literally pull me, and I'm going to fight every minute of it. Eventually, if I get out there, like it's fine, and I can even have fun sometimes, especially if I know a lot of the people. But uh, yeah, it's it's mixed how I feel about it. Got it. Other people's weddings. Feel great about mine, but <laughs> with other people's. I actually spoke, like I was the co-best man at uh, one wedding, and that went really well. And I said a thing, and it was fun. But that was basically a speaking engagement for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but there's some pressure in that, too, because you got to, like, you know, you stand up there during the ceremony. You got to make sure not to look crazy. There's pictures being taken. It's a lot of pressure when it comes to weddings. Steven, would it surprise you if I told you that I love the whole thing? No, I would. Would that surprise you, the fact that every once in a while I tear up at a particularly, yeah, especially when the groom tears up, when the bride comes walking in? Mm. You know you know, my favorite part of a wedding is when you look, turn around and you look at the eye. No. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> you're basically Catherine Heigl. Is that where we're going? Like, yeah, exactly. No. Okay. But the whole, like, the whole thing, because after the, the wedding ceremony... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Then you have the reception to look forward to, and depending on when you RSVP'd for it, sometimes you forget. Did I choose the steak? Oh. Did I choose the chicken? If you're there with your significant other, you hopefully were smart and each picked a different dish right, so right. that you could do a switchy switchy, a flipsy flopsy. You know, I will say, I went to one wedding reception. And that was my first exposure to a really good toasted ravioli, which made it into one of my top five appetizers or party whatevers. Mm. And that was a lot of fun. And there was also no dancing. So I felt zero pressure that that was ever going to happen. So if a reception involved no dancing, you'd be happy as a clam. I would be fine, yes. And I would feel much less pressure and I would be able to enjoy myself. Mm. That is not to say that I don't enjoy the dancing when it's forced upon me, but I would be much more at ease. Rather than <laughs> dreading the moment. Knowing it's coming. The time, yes. But now I, I enjoy dancing at my wedding because typically the bride and groom do like a slow dance or whatever. You know, you're not doing the electric slide typically sure. as a couple because you're like hobnobbing sure, sure. with everybody else. So I, I, that was nice. I think going to a wedding, especially at the reception and hearing different people's like best man speech and maid of honor and maybe a dad gets up and does a little bit of a toast. Yeah, that's good. And all of that. Right. It's either good or it's laughably bad in the kind of way right. where if you're there with your significant other, you can kind of talk about it later or look at each other and, yes, and giggle yes. a little bit. I think weddings are great for both enjoying the beauty of it, but also kind of a giggling at some of the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, I'm down with that. that and that includes my own wedding. <laughs> All right, well, why are we talking so much about weddings? It is because... Tough to say. This this week, our movie, recommended by you, Nate Baranowski, is 27 Dresses, starring Katherine Heigl and James Marsden. This movie came out in 2008, the year I got married. Would you look at that? Ooh, look at that. Came out in 2008. This movie, Rotten Tomatoes. Do you wager a guess? A range? I already looked. Sorry, I oh, can't you already even guess. <laughs> yep. Forty percent critic score, fifty-seven percent audience satisfaction. 
this is a tough one, Nate. This is a romantic comedy. Have you seen this movie before now? I had definitely, yes. I had definitely seen it uh, as certain clips were playing, remembered, like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. I didn't remember every detail, but I definitely have seen it before. <laughs> and I also now own it <laughs> because <laughs> when I went to rent it, because it's not available for streaming anywhere. You have to rent it or buy it. Really? Yes. And on Apple, it was either rent for $4 or buy for $5. And this is like one of those. <laughs> so now you own 27 dresses. Yes, now I do. Because it was like one of these like Sophie's Choice type things. It's like, what? first of all, what happens if I don't watch it in the 48 hours? Am I going to spend another $4 to rent it again and spend eight total dollars as opposed to just owning it for five? So I said, okay, I'll just buy it. I think owning it for $1 more feels like a good call. Yeah. Because all it takes is 20 years from now right. when you finally want to watch this movie again. <laughs> sure. You don't have to pay, you know, 25 space credits in order right. to rent it. <laughs> That's right. To a Bitcoin. Yes. Also, Apple is actually putting a lot of movies on sale. Apple's movie store. What else did you buy, Stephen? Nate. How many, how many disaster movies did you buy? None, Nate. The Greatest Showman was on sale for $5. Oh, must have. See, this is what I'm saying. I said $5, done. So I got 27 dresses and The Greatest Showman. Very nice. Steven, this is usually the time when I come in. In recent episodes, I've done a little bit of research, and this mm -hmm. episode is no different because <laughs> this 27 Dresses in 2008 was directed by Ann Fletcher. Mm -hmm. Now, the name may be not too familiar with most, but for our Mots fans, mm -hmm. she directed Step Up in 2006 oh, which we have word. discussed yes she has also directed the proposal a movie that i talk about a lot yeah uh in 2009 again 27 dresses in 2008 and then a couple other movies such as hot pursuit the guilt trip <laughs> dumpling with each one having like the rotten tomatoes is not amazing for most of these mm. uh, but she is a choreographer by trade interesting so ann fletcher is the director aileen brosh mckenna is the screenwriter. And this is something that this movie must have hung its hat on when it came out because she wrote The Devil Wears Prada in 2006. Okay. On the front of the DVD cover yes. and the poster for this is Katherine Heigl in a dress made out of words. And on her front, it says, from the screenwriter of The Devil Wears Prada, basically <laughs> yes. saying if before... Netflix and Amazon Prime said, if you like this, you'll like this. Right. <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada is almost written larger than the movie title on that dress. Oh, yes. <laughs> very large. Is that you want more of that? So Aileen Brosh McKenna wrote The Devil Wears Prada and 27 Dresses. And two years after 27 Dresses, she wrote Morning Glory. What? <laughs> and then in 2011, she That's wrote funny. We Bought a Zoo with Matt Damon. Wow. I thought that was a pretty good one. Just a couple other things. She's also co-writing and executive producing the new Cruella movie that I sent you a Ooh. picture of. Uh, what's her name? Cruella DeVille. Emma Stone. Emma Stone yes. is Cruella DeVille, yeah. Yes. That's hilarious. Okay. So there's a little bit of uh, research for you behind the... Thank you. The, I love both some of Anna Fletcher's work and some of Aileen Brosh McKenna's work. Okay. So the premise of 27 Dresses... Catherine Heigl. Oh, let me ask you this right here at the top. My wife and I watched this together. Whitney 
had a prediction or knew what Enneagram type she was because she helps everyone else with their weddings and never really says no. And so she said that the character is most likely a type nine. Would you agree? Ooh, I was going to say a type two. See, that's what I, I told her. Is it a two or a nine? But she says... Nine is very peacemakery. I guess. That makes peacemaker, And then also bottles emotions and then eventually will blow up, which mm. Catherine Heigl's character does on her sister in the uh, rehearsal dinner. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> that is a brutal scene. But anyway, Catherine Heigl has 27 bridesmaids dresses because she's been a part of 27 weddings, loves them, but does not have a relationship, nor has she been married herself obviously she works for what's his name ed george is the character george ed, ed <laughs> burns ed burns he is the ceo of this like outdoor i guess like north face style company yes yeah it's hard to tell but anyway loves him but he doesn't have interest in her just sees her an assistant and then also enter Catherine heigl's sister character tess who is this like kind of flippant and exciting outgoing person Falls in love with George. George falls in love with her. And all this goes on. And then we have James Marsden. Now, Nate, I like James Marsden a lot. Sure. Even in, even in that Sonic the Hedgehog movie, uh, you know, he was all right. <laughs> I believed him. Sure. James Marsden, as a newspaper wedding columnist, I guess, they call it the commitment section. Is that what it is? Yes. Yes, the commitment section. So he writes about these weddings, but he hates weddings. We come to find out it's because his wife left him for his old college roommate or something. I just want to say... From the moment that he is on screen, I get some major James Franco vibes from him. And I don't think it's great. How do you feel about him? You're a doctor? Yeah. But Tweedledee and Tweedledrunk were bugging me, so. Okay, do you know your name? For the most part, I like him. His style of wooing her <laughs> is a bit aggressive. Hmm. And maybe I don't know if it the kind of writing your name all over someone's planner and all that stuff, maybe that just hasn't aged as well, and we're looking at it with 2020 eyes and not 2008 eyes. Maybe, yeah. He's a bit much, but I think it works. I think it works. I just felt like he was neither charming James Franco or like playing another character well. It just felt... I felt like there was a Brooklyn accent sneaking in there every once in a while that was... Not very good. I don't know. Was he doing an accent? I feel like some of the times he was going for some kind of like Brooklyn-y New York oh, I accent. I, I didn't know that. I didn't very, know. It was very subtle. I really want to talk about James Marsden in this movie a little bit more because his look is so 2008. <laughs> I have never felt as dated as what my style was in 2008 to now as when I saw James Marsden in this movie with a t-shirt always showing through beneath a button-up that had a couple buttons down mm. that wasn't super tailored, so it was a little loose-fitting, baggier jeans, All right. tennis shoes, and in order to make it seem kind of put together, kind of a bigger jacket kind of coat on top of that. That look is so not our current fashion and it's very tailored form fitting yeah but it is very 2000 i'll call it 2005 to 2008 yeah is that a style that resonated with you during that yeah during this time because i looked at him and went both your haircut and your style i know what you're going for because i've been there 
but it does not work now. Yeah, I do get it, and it does feel of the time. But he also felt just like kind of sloppy the whole movie. I, like he's going to. <laughs> I think some of that's his. I think some of that's the wardrobe. Honestly, I looked at that and thought, "You look frumpy," but I think that's he's supposed to be. I don't know. His hair is frumpy too, though. Like his hair is never really done. It just looks his hair never really looks good. Messy. Does yeah, it? and he's wearing the same thing both at the newspaper office and at all these weddings that he's covering and in the Volvo careening off the road in the rain. Like he, he's wearing the same thing the whole time. So it's kind of... Yeah, maybe it is supposed to be him being kind of a loose free spirit because he, I think he is definitely wearing jeans at a wedding. He's supposed to be a rebel. Which I think if you're... He's supposed to be a little bit of a rebel. Oh, that's what it is. Yep, yeah. the bad yeah. boy of commitment. Right. He doesn't articles. like weddings. He doesn't like weddings. He's a cynical. He wants to write about the exploitation of flowers. Yeah, exactly. At weddings. Yeah. He wants those hard-hitting pieces, you know, about <laughs> the about big wedding. Silk. The big wedding. Right. The industry. Yeah. So Catherine Heigl's character, first of all, the little girl that plays child Catherine Heigl at the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. she was amazing, I thought. Just that little girl actress in that whole first scene of keeping this whole wedding together. That was kind of fun. Karen Heigl is a great actress. Mm-hmm. And in the words of one of the critics on the Rotten Tomatoes webpage, Kath Clark from The Guardian, she says, what a maddening waste of Katherine Heigl this insipid romantic comedy is. Little Yoda uh, sentence structure there. Mm. Critics are not fond of Katherine Heigl's performance in this movie. Not her fault, just the movie in general. But I don't know. I felt like she was fine. This is a tough one for us to review, I think. So I really want to I want to dig in for just a second. Mm-hmm. So put on your put on your digging boots. Mm-hmm. And grab a shovel. Mm. Catherine Heigl, James Marsden, right, are supposed to be the main love interest. We won't get into romance corner yet, but just their characters. Do you find them relatable and likable in this movie? And if they're if not, what parts don't didn't work for you? It was weird because in the beginning, James Marsden could be somewhat charming, especially when he's trying to figure it out. Yes, pursuing her a little too hard, but at least pursuing her right. and genuinely showing interest. The weirdest scene, though, is he shows up at her apartment, which it is revealed that he is writing the article for the sister marrying George. He's like covering their wedding. So now Catherine Heigl's character doesn't like him anymore. But he shows up at her apartment asking for a comment. Her bridesmaid dress closet is discovered because it doesn't close. And it's like this closet of shame with all these dresses. Right. And then he, they somehow start laughing at how wild some of these dresses are. But James Marsden, with his 2008 digital camera, begins to take pictures of her in all these dresses. And like the first time he takes a picture... Catherine Heigl is kind of like, what are you doing? And I don't forget what he says. He like plays it off. But then she proceeds to allow him to take pictures of her in her apartment, this man that she barely knows in every dress. Like, in every dress. I, I'm talking to my wife about this too. And she's like, not only is he taking pictures of her, she's like changing into all these dresses one room away from this almost stranger that she's talked to twice. Like he takes pictures like in a weird super sly way sometimes like there's a moment where she sits they're both sitting like she sits down in a chair and he like snaps a picture with the camera in his lap and i'm like this feels super weird and strange well 
It's your flash. I think it's blowing it out weird. And if it were just a normal... Okay, it's not very good. I did not think about that. Yes. She knows he is a writer and a re- like a reporter, whatever, on the wedding things. So, he, okay, here are the assumptions she can make. One, he's taking photos for the article. That is actually what happens. She's super mad about it, right? But she but, doesn't know that he's taking pictures of the article. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so the other option is that he's taking pictures of her in dresses for his own right. enjoyment. <laughs> Personal. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? Worse. Worse. Yes, it is worse. And so when you ask, like, how is their romance? Like, that scene in the context of the movie makes him a creeper. That scene had to be out of, out of order. Because because here's what it takes. I mean, here's what it takes to make that scene not creepy. They've maybe gone on a couple dates, or he's been around, or he's saying like maybe we'll use this as part of the like. I don't know. It, he has to explain it in a way that it's for work, or they have to be dating. Without that, it's bad. What would be even less creepy is if it was 2020 and he had his iPhone and he was actually incognito taking pictures as opposed to holding up a digital camera with a flash and obviously taking pictures and she is obviously seeing him and allowing it. Like it feels super weird in that context. Well, she yeah, she's posing for pictures later in the in the scene because she knows he's taking pictures right but but again where are these pictures going if they're she, not- she she never thinks about where are these pictures going and maybe it's because she's yes. a type nine type nine uh, resisting any conflict i don't know yeah i did not think about i mean she admires his work she loves his writing she follows all his stuff i'm okay with them having instant chemistry right yeah they and they do they have great chemistry early on uh, in sort of the ways they fight and everything, and like that's that's great and good. The coming over and doing the pictures, I did not think about that as being as weird as it is until you brought that up to me. Yeah, I I just thought it was very strange. Anyway, we have that, and then we also have some kind of unbelievable scenes, also, and by that I mean yes. So they are riding. They're riding in this Volvo and careen off the road because Catherine Heigl, they're arguing, the two of them, James Marsden and her. Veer off the road, crash. Why are they arguing? Why are they riding in a car? They're arguing because they're trying to, I don't know, dig into each other's oh, no. worst fears. He find, yeah. He finds out that she is in love with George. Right. Somehow he, he crashes there, like the, the, the tasting and sees yeah. them interact. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Like he sees them sitting there and then like walks away. To try and, I don't know, like sneak away. It didn't make any sense. But anyway. It is a movie that they know exactly what beats they want to get to. The meandering between the points does feel like, it feels like this movie has really great storyboard scenes. Right. But in order to get them and move them around, it does feel like, oh, you really had to you had to do some backbends in order to make sure that you end up getting to a bar on a rainy night or that you ended up getting to the scene where you're trying on these dresses. Right. And so like I get them revealing some things to each other and then falling for each other during that scene. Yeah. Makes but sense. When, but when Benny and the Jets song comes on, 
first of all, as they're talking at the bar, there's like this dude behind James Marsden that keeps looking over and either shaking his head or nodding in agreement. As though An he's extra eavesdropping. that really, really wants to be remembered. I know, and I'm like, well, that's weird. But then they start singing this song, and the entire bar full of people joins them in singing the song, climaxing in the two of them on the bar singing and dancing. That's exactly the words. Sorry, lyric police. What are the words? You're gonna hairy hands. This whole bar gets into Benny and the Jets. I kept turning to my wife, and I was like, this wouldn't happen in reality, right? Like, th- this is not a thing that happens in real life, right? I mean, it has to be just right. I mean, I get it if there's, like, some... Karaoke? Yeah, like, if it's karaoke, maybe, but I don't, I don't know. It just seemed really bizarre. And then every single person in the bar was super into it. Like, there was no it, one... It showed everyone looking up, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, this song really does... Right. Of all songs. Who sings this? Is this, a, is this an Elton John original? No, this is a song from 15 years ago. Right. Well, and my wife kept saying that uh, Catherine Heigl's hair during these scenes, they're trying to make it look effortless, like she was just caught in the rain, but apparently uh-huh. her hair had to be very styled to look like it did in these scenes. I don't, I don't <laughs> know nothing about it, but that is the comment. <laughs> so, uh, discontinuity. So anyway, it's all just strange. A lot of they, these... Okay. The, also, not to like poke too many holes in this, but they run off the road in a rainstorm and apparently walk to a bar. They can't call for help and they don't have service on their phones. So it's just like, we can't do anything now. Let's just get a drink here. The short-sightedness of, but if you are able to get out and you guys do a lot of drinking, you guys can't drive the car anyway. (laughs) And and that like, what's your plan? What's your plan here? They also go back Stay to the, all night in the bar? What if, what if, when the bar shuts down? Well, they go back to the car to sleep, which also doesn't make sense. Like, so you could find a bar but couldn't find a motel? Anything else to contact anybody? It's just a bar out there is no context to the location, right? It's just out in the middle of it. And when you say sleep, please make the wink sign because Fred well, uh, exactly, mo- yeah. like most Hollywood, it is, oh, they like each other. Wink. Okay. You know what it is? This bar that James Marsden finds in the middle of nowhere is the same bar that he brings Sonic the Hedgehog to in the new Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> it movie. It is. It and is. That is the continuity line over these 12 years. Absolutely. That's what it is. Okay. They went to Montana. This movie also has some, it does cringy moments very well. Mm-hmm. And some shock moments very well. I don't know if you remember the time when Catherine Heigl's like freaking out and her friend Casey, played by Judy Greer, slaps her in the face. Just like straight slaps that her. That was a hard slap, too. <laughs> There's a lot of slap. slapping in this movie. There's a lot of slapping. It was a very hard slap out of nowhere. And we just kind of jumped. We were like, wow, that was a real slap right there. <laughs> so there's that. But Nate, of all the cringy scenes, mm-hmm. <laughs> is when. George is planning to propose to uh-huh. Jane's sister uh-huh. Tess at the restaurant. And Catherine Heigl comes with his wallet that he forgot. Yes. She walks in and the, the restaurant people hold up the sign, will you marry me? And the music starts playing. <laughs> and George says the line. Oh, hey, guys, 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 hold it. She's not the one. She's not the one. And I'm like, <laughs> the most on-the-nose line you could deliver in that moment. Oh, yeah, no, she's not the one. I'm like, oh. I'm okay with that. I think the movie is the most successful when it is so on-the-nose, so laughably 
like her running out the back door of that party and screaming profanity and there's a 50th wedding anniversary party <laughs> that everyone's staring at her like yeah yeah i th- that's the moments where this movie goes like yeah i mean yeah, we're, we are just showing worst case scenarios in a funny way here. So we'll all have a good time. So I love that scene. Her trying to kind of get away while the band's playing and he's proposing to her. But also, like, I don't, I don't understand why she didn't see those, like, 60 people in the, as soon as she went through the door of that bar. Like, that doesn't make any sense either. Right. Yeah. It did seem a little bit, a little, little bit strange. Let's talk about Judy Greer, the friend, Casey. <laughs> yes. Because, in some ways, gone are the days where we have that quirky friend who's around mm. in all these rom-coms. Every once in a while, you still have him. Right. May I refer to you to the person who passed the torch to Judy Greer as the quirky best friend? Now, Judy Greer was in, in the early 2000s, What Women Want, 13 Going on 30, 27 oh, Dresses, yeah. Love and Other Drugs. I'm pretty sure every single movie she plays, The Quirky Friend. Right. You're right. She was past this role by Joan Cusack. Now, Joan Cusack, uh, somehow, at some point in time, who plays the quirky friend in Runaway Bride, uh, is in various other uh, Julia Roberts <laughs> movies, mm-hmm. uh, was the voice in Toy Story 2, and Jesse. She was the quirky best friend before. I assume at some point in time, she shook hands with Judy Greer, and the power was passed to Judy Greer <laughs> as the quirky best friend. Uh-huh. And then she took the early 2000s where Joan Cusack was all 90s. Oh, I see. Nice. I like that. I I like that, Pat. Yes. I I ascribe to that theory. Also, she was also in The Wedding Planner, Judy Greer. Uh, Again, I assume playing the same role. (laughs) (laughs) Lovable best friend. Right. Oh, the other cringeworthy scene is when the next morning after they quote unquote sleep in the Volvo, and they go Wink. to uh, IHOP or whatever for breakfast when one of the waitresses recognize her and say, you're the girl from the article or the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it's discovered that the piece James Marsden has written about her with all the crazy pictures was for the newspaper. That's a tough moment. That's a tough one to come back from. <laughs> <laughs> they do cringy moments like that well. That's all I wanted to say. That was, yep. another, that was another one. Catherine Heigl. At the moments when she is trying to smile through, with, but the smile doesn't make it to her eyes, is top-notch Katherine Heigl. Mm. Showing deep pain or embarrassment while trying to put on a face yeah, of like, it's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Reads really well. Now, do you think she knows that her sister's lying about things so that George will like her, mm-hmm. like being a vegetarian mm-hmm. and all that? And so instead of talking to either of them and being serious, she does the rehearsal dinner thing where she shows pictures mm-hmm. of her sister eating ribs and hating right. dogs and all this. I feel like that's a really, I don't know, how'd you feel about that scene? <laughs> the love of two true soulmates, Tess and George. That, it's bad. It's bad. It, like, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. And Casey, is it Casey Judy Greer? Yes. Who says the line, like, I know that my moral compass doesn't always point north, but even though I know that that was bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she said, she says a line that I think there's some truth to where she says something like, If it was the right thing to do, you'd feel better right now. That's one of those correct in private 
praise in public. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah. make for a good rom-com. Story. No, it does not. It does not. And, and I mean, it's mean as it sounds, I think that sister deserved it. But anyway. James anyway. Marsden did, however, love that move, which... Right. <laughs> I think in some ways, as far as moral of the story, I think there was a little bit of a, like, yeah, glad you did that. Your right. sister deserved it. Right. Which I'm not sure is the best message to send. No, probably but not. I guess stand up for yourself and be able to say no to people. Yeah. Boundaries is a, a good message. So James Marsden says, hey, uh, nice job in there. Gives her a Blackberry uh, as a parting gift to try and uh, as, as a olive branch, as they say. That really ties you in to some other Aileen uh, uh, Bro- Brosh McKenna, Devil Wears Prada, Morning Glory. Think about the Blackberry's involvement in those oh, movies. I know how you true. love to track the Blackberry through stories. I do. I'll also say that there was a digital picture frame in this movie that was particularly hilarious. Remember those? Oh, yeah, I do. That was everybody's Christmas gift one year. Absolutely. Someone out there is really rich, right? Because of those digital picture frames? I don't think it was a uh, patented technology. I think everybody, every company. Oh, okay. Just, everyone just did it. Okay. Yeah, everyone it. just did it. So the movie ends with Katherine Heigl realizing she loves James Marsden because <laughs> oh oh because she, oh because she's <laughs> she is dressed up and going to go with George to some work thing and mm-hmm. George asks her to find a file on his computer the most I mean such sounds like an insipid request but anyway and then George says something like oh, I love you because you never say no right which. I understand, like, she's having an existential moment of like, oh, I never say no to anyone. Right. And then she proceeds to say, I quit. She quits her job. George, I quit. Yeah. When it comes to your job and your boss and you're, like, actually a personal assistant, actually not saying no is kind of a job requirement, like, part of the deal. Unless they ask you to do something completely outlandish. But I feel like that... I understand what it was hitting for her, but it was also kind of, it was weird. Right. What, what you're saying is you'd like her to line up that next job uh, before she gets into. <laughs> That's right. Don't vocalize I quit. Just start, <laughs> just get on monster.com, which was the thing in 2008, and start looking it up then. Anyway. Did, did it ever say what she was doing next with her career? Well, she was marrying James Marsden, who got a promotion from that article. <laughs> so she didn't have to worry about money after that. How come she never thought about going into wedding wedding planning? You know what? I, that's what I feel like by that time. Is this time, a prequel to Wedding Planner? She should have. Well, it should, <laughs> you can't play off that switch from her to Jennifer Lopez. But anyway. You're right. <laughs> I think, like, why after 27 weddings would you not pivot to just doing it for your job? Like, the, the whole first half of the movie, I was thinking, like, why isn't she just a wedding planner? Like that's makes the most sense. Why? Anyway. Why isn't she a wedding planner? I don't know. That that's really the plot of this movie. Like, why not wedding planner? All, she all, does, all she's title. very good at it. She knows all the vendors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like she's like uh, twisted the arm of the cake guy to make an amazing cake in three days. Like we didn't even talk about the fact that she went to two weddings in the same night and used uh, gave a guy three hundred dollars for a whole night of cab service, which I'm not sure is a lot or a little in two thousand eight. <laughs> but I didn't question the amount. It was also kind of weird because she deducted money every time he looked in the rearview mirror, and so like that's kind uh-huh. of weird. But uh-huh. but you know, also it is not consistent in a type nine. To say yes to everyone, not cause any conflict, and then twist the arm of the cake guy. Maybe that's I'm just not going to go down this Enneagram diagnosis of Katherine Heigl's so, character in 27 Dresses with you. I'm sorry. So that's fine. That's I just wanted to throw that out I there. Will not. 
Also, her and George uh, do two kisses just to make sure they don't feel anything for each other. Oh, yes, yes. I need to, I need to say something right here. Hold on a second. Get, could you put a... No, you don't have to put a sound effect. I'll do it myself. <laughs> this is me up on my high horse. <laughs> Not a soapbox. It's a high horse, okay? No, it's a high horse. It's yeah, from it. on top of this very, very, very high horse. Uh-huh. Th- this is a such a dumb Hollywood myth that when you kiss someone... It is like a genie comes down and says, do you have, are you a soulmate or are you just like brother and sister? Right. A little bit like the good place. (laughs) It is like the good place. And that is such a dumb thing to basically be like, kiss once and go, did you feel anything? No. She says the line, I think it's supposed to feel different with the person you're supposed to be with. (laughs) Making you think that the the kiss that really meant a lot with her was when she drunkily kisses James Marsden during Benny and the Jets in a bar. Which I also... Can't. News I can't with this. Oh, sorry, I'm going to climb down. <laughs> I, I couldn't... I thought it was something squeaking at first, like you were getting on a wooden horse, but apparently it's... it's it is. It is. I construct... It's like a Trojan horse. Oh, it's a Trojan horse that neighs. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very feel- <laughs> animatronic. Yeah, also the idea that somehow if you kiss someone and it's magical, that it'll also then feel like that every other time in the, for the rest it'll of your life. It'll also work out forever. Like if, if for some reason it stops feeling that way, are you then no longer soulmates? Like, there's a lot of problems with this preconceived notion. This, the, Yeah, I, I feel like I should we should name it. Something of like, mm. it's kiss magic, I think. It's really, you'll know when you kiss yeah, them, and you a, won't know until you kiss it's them. A tro- it's a Trojan kiss. <laughs> It's the Trojan kiss. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a company that that uh, probably already no, uh, has stolen. <laughs> no, wait a minute. It's family friendly. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Catherine Heigl then runs to the wedding that James Marsden is covering. His final wedding as a commitment columnist. Man, this movie goes downhill at the end, doesn't it? <laughs> he gets up on Man, stage. This falls apart. Yeah, and she makes this lackluster speech that ends not in a bang but a fizzle, and slowly walks up to him. And then he, the the movie ends. Get over here. Get over here. Remember Scorpio in Mortal Kombat says "Get over here" and then puts the little rope spike in you and pulls you over. I think he says that line. Which I turned around and was like, he should have gone to her. Like she literally went all the way up on that. She leaped over the river. To land on that boat, gets on stage, makes a speech, then walks to him, and he won't step three paces to actually kiss her. He says, no, you get over here. That felt a little bit like a jerk move to me. As if he put himself out there enough that it was, I am team Catherine Heigl and not James Marsden in this because he doesn't really apologize that much, nor confess his love. He just says, I think you deserve to be happy. I know you're going to hate me forever and then kind of walks away. Yeah. And he commits. Like he actually walks as away. If, as if he, as if he like, he'd never, he never committed and said like, you know what? I'm so sorry. I ran that piece. The reason why I did it is because it was just, you were just a story to me, but then I started falling in love with you and we sang Benny and the Jets and we're in that Volvo for 12 hours. Remember how great that was? <laughs> and now I'm so sorry, but I want to be with you. Instead, he's like, hey, I can't take back what I did. Um, 
and you're probably going to be mad with me and you never have to see me again but i wish the best for you man oh yeah that took a lot of gumption yeah to basically not say anything and then she jumps on a boat for him <laughs> he's in jeans in a wedding yeah what you hey, what you think about the dad character <laughs> he tries to sal how how's yeah. hardware yeah how's hardware he didn't have much to do, which I think was part of his role as the dad. He's kind of just yeah. like, you two figure this out. I thought it was hilarious. After the rehearsal dinner scene, he wants them to like kiss and make up. And so he uh-huh. tricks them both into coming to the store. And then he's like, I'm out of it. <laughs> it just disappears. <laughs> he doesn't want to be around for the awkward part, I guess. Oh, oh, wait a minute. This movie actually ends. No, that the them on the boat wasn't the end. It ends with the yeah, wedding yeah. scene. Yes, yes. And uh, George says hi to Tess as though they'd never met before. I didn't mind that. I that didn't was mind fine. That. Yeah, no, no, that was fine. I I, I kind of like that because like they did like each other. They just uh, they, de- they started their whole relationship based on lies. So that's problematic. <laughs> so you start over. Right, but they can start over, sure. Okay, so <laughs> this is when Katherine Heigl and James Marsden gets married at the end of this movie. I understand why. I understand why it happens because they have to show all the 27 dresses and all of her bridesmaids that were brides and past weddings all wearing their individual dresses so it's a fun sight gag right that's how it's like okay i get it really fun two they needed to show that they both love when you look back at the groom instead of at the bride when she enters so they wanted to show that scene of james marston looking at her with trying to muster love in his eyes which i would say not quite achieved (laughs) achievement not unlocked (laughs) that was that was a two out of five at best when he tries right. to smile back at her. Here's my rewrite. And by the way, Aileen Brosh McKenna, if you're listening, I love your movies. I love what you do. <laughs> I love what you I love what you write. This is just my humble suggestion. I'm not a writer. I know you want to have the scene or have the visual, the twenty seven dresses. It's a fun gag. But I would rather not see James Marsden and Katherine Heigl get married because I don't believe their relationship is at that point yet. You can tell me one year later, but I have nothing to believe they have a relationship that you can build a lifetime upon, but they have great chemistry for starting dating. I would love the end of the movie to be like, we're going on a date together. Like we're beginning a relationship. And then if you have to jump ahead to them in a house, like being married someday, I'd rather cut to the coffee table and see a picture of their wedding book. And on it has pictures of those, all the bridesmaids there and the kind of the end of the movie things. And even you can zoom in on the picture and it becomes a video of her sister and George meeting again. But I just, it's very tough for me to see her walk down the aisle and believe that her and James Marsden should be married. Doesn't it end with a voiceover too? Doesn't she kind of like talk over the scene saying like, I didn't do, have to do anything and everyone was there for me, right? That day I woke up and put on my 28th dress. I went to a wedding where no one asked me to hold the bouquet, fold a place card or hold their dress while they peed. Everything was perfect. Yep, and he, and he said, is it everything you ever wanted? And she says, no, it's better. Yeah, that, that, oh my word. I don't think, because it, it betrays the, it betrays the message of the movie to basically be like, everything is solved because you are finally the bride. It's more, I mean, the message throughout the movie was, 
you just can't be a doormat to everyone else's needs and desires without taking any of yours into account and let people walk all over you. Right. Not you'll get them back someday with by humiliating them with their own wedding dresses. Oh, and also my wife made the comment very intelligently. Those were the bridesmaids dresses. And it looked as though it was the brides at Catherine Heigl's wedding. Yes. Those bridesmaids dresses would not have fit the brides. They were different people. I think they had to get them remade with new sizes. That, that, that seems like a lot or of work. Or get them custom. It's a lot of work. <laughs> that seems like a lot of work. They had to build that dock off to the side to fit them all in there. They, yeah, that's a long dock. That's right. Well, anyway, Nate, I think we need to rate this movie. We do. Nate, on a scale of zero to five bridesmaid dresses. I'm going to give 27 dresses two and a half bridesmaid dresses. Okay. We own this. My wife brought this movie into our marriage in a DVD oh, case wow. that is pink on the inside. Interesting. Really? It's bold. It is not great. By any means, it is not great. Right. Catherine Heigl is likable in about 30% of this movie, and there are some mushy moments in 20% of this movie. Mm-hmm. There are funny lines in 10% of this movie. <laughs> So just watch the movie and pick those out and, and I mean, do something else while you're, all this movie's on. Like, this is not a movie for your attention. <laughs> Don't spend your time just watching it. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's tax season. Work on your taxes and have 27 dresses on. This is, this is my recommendation. Two and a half dresses, maybe two, maybe more like two, but don't pay attention to this movie. Just uh-huh. have it on. Okay. Okay. So my wife gave this movie a 3.5. Wow. Which is a little high. She also said this is one of the rare rom-coms that are relatively clean and you don't have to like skip things. It's not vulgar. So sure. she enjoyed, you know, watching it. So she gives it 3.5. I'm going to say 2.5. I think 2.5 is reasonable. All right. Um, we're together. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's 2.5. I will say... The most impressive thing in this movie, Catherine Heigl's talking about some of the gifts she's gotten at previous weddings, and she says the word Gewürztraminer. Did you? I don't know if you heard that word, but she I said- I did. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was, and it forced me to look it up. I was like, what did she just say? Uh, Gewürztraminer is a kind of white grape. That's all it is. And I'm a frequent member, so sometimes they throw in a free Gewürztraminer. Wow. So, points for that. And uh, that's why I'm giving it a 2.5 and not lower. That's, <laughs> that's that why was, you gave it a 2.5. <laughs> one yeah, line. It was a good word and uh, you know, made me look it up and I learned something. But also, yeah, again, I, I chuckled a couple times. The cringeworthy moments are genuinely cringy. And yeah, I mean, Catherine Heigl's a talented actor, even though <laughs> the movie itself might not have let her shine. So yeah, 2.5. Stephen Robles, 27 Dresses, helped me learn to be a smarter person. An educational film. Nate Baranowski's review is yeah, just do your taxes while it's on in the background. I don't have a more glowing review than that. So you got it. It's half of a movie. Well, Nate, we didn't do a top five today. Did you did you look up the top five that I oh, sent you? Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You wait, didn't. Wait. wait a minute, hold on a second. Audience member Stephen Robles did not do his homework. I have a list. Wait, wait, what were the, what were the top five? I'm going back in our text top message five wedding dance songs. You, I don't think wedding you sent this to me. Oh, you I did. did. You did. I did. Uh, Butterfly kisses to bedtime press. Oh, goodness. I'm going to have to look up. 
Okay, well, can I talk to you about my five and you want to just kind of chime in? Okay, yes, yes, let's let's do that. We're going to do a top five. Nate is going to give a top five wedding songs and I will comment. I have a I have a lot of them in a list. It's been very difficult. Wedding songs fall into three categories for me. Mm-hmm. One, you want to slow dance with the one that the one that brung you, mm. or uh, something somebody with romantic interest. So that's one option. Number two is you all got to be out in the dance floor, maybe singing along, maybe having a grand old time. So that's two. Mm. And number three, the the song that you're dancing with your grandma and your aunt uh and you're kind of just swinging around doing your thing or no that's it not no or (laughs) okay so i'm gonna divide them into these three categories and you just tell me what you kind of like from them and i'll throw them into my top five you ready yep okay out of songs that you are slow dancing with your lovey we have l-o-v-e by nat king cole Okay. At last by Etta James. Oh yeah. I won't give up on us. Jason Mraz. Make you feel my love. I like the Adele version. Hmm. And all of me, John Legend. Oh, that's a good one. Any of those uh any of those sing to you? At last. I know it's one of Whitney's favorites, but that is a it's a great song. Mm, okay. Very wedding feeling, but also very good. I kind of I have at last as my number two wedding song. Okay. Is there any of those any other of those that you think belong in the top five, or do you want to hear the other categories first? I like the the John Legend one too. That's pretty. That's All pretty of me. There. All of me. Okay. That's pretty. We'll good. put that into the five slot. Just yeah. kind of give it a little okay. vibe there. I don't have a strong one. Now we're talking about songs. That everyone's just having a good time. Right. Shout. <laughs> uh-huh. Listen, you cannot, especially for let's say the group of people that uh, there are certain weddings where people aren't dancers and getting people on the dance floor is tough. (laughs) I'm the toughest, but getting people to just throw their arms up in the air. Anyone can do that. Love me some shout sweet Caroline. Mm. Oh, now this is one of those where everyone just becomes the singer. Is it Neil Diamond that sings sweet Caroline? Uh, I'll look it up. Sweet Caroline. Everyone's just yelling it (laughs) out on the dance floor. Neil Diamond. You got it. The Cupid Shuffle. Mm-hmm. Now, it's better than the cha-cha slide or the electric slide, in my opinion. The Cupid Shuffle is easy to do, easy to catch on. I almost put in like Footloose or Sweet Home Alabama, but both of those songs require a little bit fancier footwork. They can't get everyone involved. Cupid Shuffle, your grandma could do. It'd be fun. Okay. I, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like Cupid Shuffle has to be up there because... It's so well known. It's ubiquitous. Wonderful. I have Cupid Shuffle as yeah. number four. Okay, very good. We have now we have the have fun, dance with anyone. Does not have to be romantic. You're just kind of doing the old dance and dance around. Mm-hmm. And you're singing. Okay. Songs like I Wanna Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston. Mm. My Girl by The Temptations. Let's go on. How Sweet It Is, James Taylor. Okay. And Michael Jackson's The Way You Make Me Feel. Now, The Way You Make Me Feel is rough because it's a little bit more sexually charged. So maybe not with... <laughs> what, what, give me the first two again. I Want to Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. uh, My Girl. Boom, 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 boom. boom, my, girl, boom. my Girl, I think, needs to be in the top five. All right. Let's give My Girl number three. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I, I'm also a big How Sweet It Is, but that's got its own, its own thing. <laughs> in my list... I have Shout as my number one song. 
And here's wow. why. Wow. Okay. Here's why. At my wedding, every, it was the very first song after the wedding dance, and literally everyone was out on the dance floor. And it was the most amazing shout experience I've ever had. So that mm. really colors it for me. I would, Nate, I want you to know if I was at your wedding and shout came on, I would, have, I would not have been the curmudgeon. I would have been on the dance floor. I just want you to know that. I know. I know. So the electric slide, not in your list, huh? Electric slide, not in my list. Cupid Shuffle Macarena? covers all my choreographed dance bits. The Cupid Shuffle is Is so there any other thing that is. So currently, I have, for me personally, I have Shout is number one. At last is number two. My Girl is three. Uh, all of Me, John Legend is four. No, sorry. All of Me was five. I'm putting Butterfly Kisses in there somewhere. <laughs> not for the, not for the dance, not for like that kind of dance song. Right. But as a father daughter dance, you just yeah. can't. It's hard to you beat. You can't it. deny it. Yeah, it's hard to oh, beat. Oh, Make You Feel My Love, Adele is also an honorable mention for me. Feel my love. I'll, have to, I'll have to listen to that one. I don't know if I know that one. I know exactly two uh, Adele songs. By. When the rain's blowing in your mm. face mm-hmm. and the whole world is on your case, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could offer you a warm embrace to make you feel my hello how are you it's been years since we <laughs> talked about not myself i'm sorry it's a good song it's a good song i'm not sh- hello from the other side is not wedding appropriate i think it is about a terrible breakup i know that i'm just it's a good song it's one of the few also no songs that are like Get it on or Nelly songs. Oh, no, no, you don't want to do any of those. Those are ridiculous. Don't do that. You got to be full appropriate unless you want to play it at like 1130 p.m. when you know that everyone above a certain age has gone to bed. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to do that. All right, that was a good one. Listeners, check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash movies on the side. Listen to us. Uh, design wedding dresses. and present. What did you say? Canned bread. Can- oh, yes. And then we talk about canned bread. And also... It's been a while since we had a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate you. If you go to that Apple Podcast. really fallen app. off. No, no, but listen, we have great, we're a five-star podcast. Uh, and we, uh, we appreciate all of them, but uh, more is better. I think uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt said that. Patreon.com slash Movies on the Side. And then comment and interact on Instagram at Movies on the Side. There's always fun stuff there. We'll put our wedding dress designs up there as well. So you should definitely do that. Check it out. So even if you are not a Patreon supporter, you can see what we created. 